Listen, I did film and television studies at university for three years. I spent hours reading countless books and articles on subjects spanning from film all the way to television. Not a single one mentioned Hugh Grant once. I achieved the hardest qualification across any university or college ever, a 2-1 in history. Let me tell you, the only thing that I learned was that we, as a society, have a history of denying and neglecting Hugh Grant's artistic and cultural relevance, not just in this country, but in the entire world. I met Oscar at a Hugh Grant-themed event I put on at the Students' Union. It felt as though Diggory and I were the only ones there. And we agreed that there was a Hugh Grant-shaped hole in academia. We decided to put it right ourselves. We want to show people that he's an icon in acting. We want to show people he's more than just a bumbling posh guy. I'm Diggory Waite. And I'm Oscar Beardmore Gray. And, and this, this is... Taking Hugh for Granted. Hello and welcome to Taking You For Granted, the podcast in which two Hugh Grant enthusiasts watch every single film starring Hugh Grant in the attempt to answer the simple question, is this film taking Hugh For Granted? Is this film good on its own or does it rely on the bumbling Brit for its acclaim? I'm Diggory Waite and I'm joined as always by my colleague and fellow Hugh Grant obsessive Oscar Beamore Gray. Oscar, how the bloody hell are you doing today, mate? I'm doing very well, Diggs. Um, we're, we're, we're well warmed up this morning, aren't we? We've just, yeah. we've just been talking for like half an hour about FPL. Yeah, which... Hugh Grant fans might not know too much about fbl it's fancy premier league we should probably just leave we should probably just leave it out and not talk about it anymore it's soccer stuff yeah soccer very boring i just feel like when we look at the analytics for our podcasts somehow i feel like our demographics won't merge Mm. with the Mm. whole football fancy football thing but you know like there is some reason why we bring this up just because Mm -hmm. we began our radio careers with yes. a show called Salt and Pepe. Um, and you could say that it was thanks to that show that Diggs and I formed this this radio bond. And mm-hmm. that's why we bought you, taking you for granted. So there is some reason to thank the footballing gods out there. Exactly. It's, it's interesting that we did that as well, because obviously we met at the Hugh Grant convention. As you've all heard yes. in the intro, <laughs> and uh, but we and we didn't we didn't put two and two together there, did we? We thought let's do a football podcast or a football <laughs> show. Well, we really should have realised there was something that intrinsic that linked the two of us. But we've done it now, and this is the one that's lasted. Salt and Pepe is long dead. Mm. Um, yeah, dead in the water. So unlike this podcast, which many believe, I you know I still mention this podcast. People go, aren't you done yet? And I'm like. Sort of, but no. Well, exactly. That's what <laughs> I was talking to my girlfriend last night, and she said, "I, I thought you watched all the Hugh Grant films now." <laughs> I, was like, I thought this horrible period of your life was over. Yeah, exactly. I don't have to wait around for two hours every Wednesday as you watch a Hugh Grant film and take up your yeah. evening. But no, I mean the the answer, like you said, is yes, but no, because we have fe- we have finished all his feature films. But there is mm-hmm. still a whole load of like other stuff that we just yeah. sort of found sporadically on the internet, exactly this TV baby. movies and yeah, like this. I think this is a this is this is a TV show, isn't it? But it's kind of like Black Mirror. It feels like yes. it's kind of like standalones. Standalones, yeah. So like they're getting a whole different cast. It's a whole different story each week. Little hour episode. And we on we go. I'd never heard of it before in my entire life. Maybe we'll hold off on thoughts about it just until i guess we should get right into it and hear a synopsis on shades of darkness the demon lover from our man synopsis simon 
The Demon Lover, written by Elizabeth Bowen and Derek Marne, directed by Peter Hammond, and released as part of the Shades of Darkness supernatural mystery drama anthology series in the UK in 1986. In 1941, in England, despite the war, for Robert Drover, played by Hugh Grant, relatively speaking, all is well. He is in love with a wonderful young woman, but this soon presents a problem for his mother, Kathleen, played by Dorothy Tutin. This burgeoning love leads her to reminisce about her own first love, a dashing RAF pilot who was killed in 1916. She can't explain it, but she keeps thinking she's seeing him everywhere. And then one day, when visiting her London house, she is shocked to find a fresh note signed off by her long-dead lover. So, Diggs, when you saw the name Shades of Darkness Demon Lover, what were you first thinking when you, when you saw that? Well, I'll be quite honest. I thought to myself, I really hope this is scary because I want to hear whether Oscar found it scary. I <laughs> <laughs> thought that might uh, be the case, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Because uh, Hugh Grant, and also I thought, you know, this is well in keeping. Hugh Grant has actually, particularly in his early career, done a lot of horror stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the the Lair of the White Worm springs to mind straight away, which is his 1988 classic, where mm-hmm. he, he, you know, with a big worm and stuff like that in it. And he's rowing with the wind. Rowing with the wind, where he met Elizabeth Hurley. That's all weird. Sort mm. of Frankenstein vibes in that. It, it's striking, isn't it? Because Hugh Grant doesn't come across to me as someone who would you automatically associate with horror films. Yeah. But he does have that sort of childish innocence that perhaps mm. you know in horror in horror in the horror genre they like to include the kind of like young child who who's lost their mum or like the kind of posh bloke who doesn't realize he's going to get a sledgehammer in the back of his head or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The corruptible Mm. pure person um and that's often i definitely think that's the case with hugh it was there was a film we watched recently the night train to venice yes oh god that definitely felt like a case of hugh is essentially a deer in the headlights Mm. and you know his characters and everything all this scary stuff's going on around him and he's just being like it's it's also the case in 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 a in a in a film like bitter moon isn't it where the sort of innocent Mm. guy is like tricked into doing something someone else wants them to do like it it is that like childish innocence purity that is corrupted by Mm. by someone or something well but i guess my question here then is is do you think that this film corrupted your innocence did you feel at all scared by this film not really but there was like one or two moments (laughs) yeah this is like okay i'm glad you haven't disappointed me which i was really hoping so yeah yeah, I mean, look, this what this film. It wasn't scary, but I was watching it by myself at like one o'clock in the morning. So I, wow, like, I was like, guys, okay. There was a couple yeah. of moments where you know got a bit of shivers. Yeah, that's fair enough. That is fair enough. Yeah, but as horror movies go, let's be honest, it wasn't. It wasn't particularly scary, was it? No, and like, what the fuck was going on? That's my question. <laughs> like, what is the story? Well, yeah, that is a good question because I sort of went back and like watched a couple of moments again just to sort of mm. get into it a bit more. But I mean, the the long and short of it is that this uh, this this woman, this middle aged woman, um, had 
a love affair with a soldier in the First World War who then died mm. in the First World War. And mm. then she, his sort of ghost has come back to haunt her in the Second World War when she's had to flee her London home and go into the countryside. And she comes back to her London home. And when she arrives there, like there's a letter that is mm. from this ghost of a guy who is then sort of playing on her mind and saying that they're going to meet again 25 years after their original meeting. Yeah. It's not that convincing, is it? No, no, not at all. And... The thing is, I just don't understand the point of why he's haunting her or the point of the end when she runs into her old house. Is it her old house? And she like g- gathers some things and then runs out and she's like, whew, that was scary. I thought there was a ghost in there. Anyway, I'm going to get in a cab and dro- hops in a taxi and the, t- and the taxi driver just starts driving. She's like, hang on a minute. And the taxi driver turns around his owl-like head. And stares at him. He's like, "Oh my God, it's him!" But then it's, and we don't see the car crash. He's here, like a sort of. She like looks distressed. But like, why is he intent on killing her? I don't even know. I don't even know if she, is she is he intent on killing her. Like we don't even know that. But but the crash at the end makes me think that she does die, and she looks terrified. And then he, he doesn't stop the car. She wants to get out. He's like he's like driving on. Mm. And I, I think there is the sound of a crash. The problem is this film is probably so low budget. They were like, there's no way we can actually stage a crash or even shake the camera around a bit. We're just gonna have a sound. It's gonna fade to black, and we're gonna have the credits. Yeah, but 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 what I don't understand of this 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 film is that the whole way through you're like, okay, what is anyone's motivation here? I get that she's a bit scared and she wants to know what's going on, mm. but she just seems to glide from kind of like a ghost from scene to scene with people talking around her, and she's just going, oh, what's going on? And in the end, she gets in a cab, fucking, that's there's the ghost. But why does the bloke want to kill her? Why is the ghost like that? That's what I want to know. I don't understand. Yeah, there there, there is no there is no explanation of that because they seem to basically kind of be in love but then Mm. there's there's some pretense that means she has bad memories of him or something but that's not really explained so it's sort of just like it's almost like it's just like kind of bit of a past that is haunting her uh through this letter but like you say the story is not very explained very well and 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 it's very low budget like I'd, mm. I, I would say, I mean, it is 1986, June 1986, and you know they yeah. did. Ha- this was part of, like we said, a two-part series, and there were eight other episodes, I think. So yeah, maybe like the budget had to be spread around. Yeah, yeah. I, what I don't understand is like who commissioned this and was like, yeah, this this will be good, this will be great. And also, from what I could tell, this seems to be the first episode of a second series. Mm. So but it's then- like so. But the second the series was only shit? the second series was only two episodes long, right. so maybe they canned it after after this yeah. one. They're like, right, come on, we'll give you two more goes at this for a second series. <laughs> kind of like what they did with. Um, did you ever see Luther with Idris Elba? No, I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's good. It is good. I'll tell you what, though, mate. Strap in, particularly for series two. It is dark. And I don't, you know, I'm pretty good with this sort of thing. It is so dark. And I was mm. like, you know what? I don't know if I can watch this. That's how dark this is. But what they did with that is they, they gave it six episodes. And then for series two, because I don't think that initial six did that great. Mm. And then the second series, they were like, okay, we'll give you four and we'll see how you do. And that second series, I think everyone was like, yo, this is great. This is kind of like Idris Elba's James Bond. It's wicked. I tell you what I'm rewatching at the moment. Fresh Meat. 
Do you remember that show? I do remember that show, the uh, Jack Whitehall et al. at yeah. university. Yeah. I think for Hugh Grant fans, I'm sure you could find similarities between Jack Whitehall and Hugh Grant, uh, particularly in Fresh Meat. The character he plays and the man he is in real life is a posh white English guy. So brilliant. Though, for those who don't know Jack Whitehall that well, he's actually just recently starred in another film called Clifford the Big Red Dog. Have you seen that? <laughs> <laughs> Have I seen that? Um, you know, I, 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 annoyingly, I haven't watched it yet. I haven't pinned down a time, but I'm obviously desperate to watch Clifford well, look, the Big Red Dog. Look, he, he, you know the story of Clifford the Big. He's just a, it's a big red dog. Listen, what I love about Clifford is he does what he says in the tin. He and, is, you are, you, what you see is what you get with Clifford. He is a big red dog. Anyway, it is quite it's quite weird because Jack Whitehall has um Jack Whitehall has a, an American accent in it, which is definitely a bit like it it, it takes you by surprise. Wow! So hang on a minute, it's Clifford an American thing? I thought Clifford was an English thing. The dog doesn't talk, so I, I, I it's set in New York. The film, but maybe that's this is just, crazy. Yeah, okay, but it's weird, weird because. Jack Whitehall is playing an American, but he has a sister who's English and they're in New York. So it's a bit like of a kind of multicultural thing. Doesn't yeah. really make sense. But anyway, look, we went on a massive tangent there. <laughs> I would recommend Fresh yeah. Meat if you like university gossip drama. Mm. And I'd recommend Clifford the Big Red Dog if you <laughs> like red big dogs. Who wants some more? More film chat, film chat. More film chats on the way. Some more film chat, film chat. With Oscar and Diggeray. More film chat, film chat. Today is the day. For more film chat, film chat. And a Hugh Grant film. Hooray! Hugh Grant in this film. Mm. What did you think of Hugh Grant? Well, listeners out there might, might be guessing already that there, there isn't a lot of him in this film, is there? There's no fleeting glances. It was disappointing from that point of view. And we've been really blessed over the last couple of weeks to really watch some terrific Hugh Grant content, Champagne Charlie, yeah. uh, Trials of Oz. Like both of those were stellar. Yeah. And, 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 and Hugh Grant was top billing. This one, he's in it very fleetingly. I think probably only like three or four appearances. Uh, he, one thing I would say that struck me is that he's looking very young. Very young indeed. Mm. Like, mm. I mean, he is young, but yeah. 1986 Hugh Grant is like baby face. Yeah, exactly. And also the character he's playing is quite young. I think so. Am I right in thinking the main character is his mum? Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I think he's at some point being like, mummy. they're thinking about moving house or something. And he's like, what are they going to do with the cricket pitch in yes. the garden, mummy? You know, and it's like... Okay, Hugh, I don't like this. I don't like this Hugh. I mm. want I want Hugh to be, you know, I want him to still be floppy and, you know, helpless, but, you know, have a bit of... Don't I don't want you, like, pining after mummy the whole time. Yeah, he, he struck me in this film. He was sort of playing that kind of, like, probably like 18 or 19-year-old, to be honest, wasn't he? Well, yeah, and what's quite dark is that he's... He's on. He's back home because he's he's fighting in the in the desert in, in World War Two, mm. I think. And so he's back home from I guess a tour out there, and right. then he'll go back out. I think. Um, Poor Hugh so actually, he's shot he's, up in Africa. Exactly. Well, and so what I I think is with 
what I would say is that, yeah, even though he's like, mummy, mummy, it's like he's actually still a soldier and he's going to get blown to smithereens. He's going to spend, you know, another six months in a tank yeah. um, in the desert, which is going to be obviously great. Um, <laughs> but what I did like as well is the fact that in this film, the first time we see him, he's kissing some girl in a hammock <laughs> in his class. Although it did feel a little bit at first, I was like, is this whole above board? There's a bit of like, you yeah. no. Uh, that what? felt a bit weird. No, <laughs> What I thought was a little bit odd, and maybe this is just me, but I thought that they intentionally didn't show his face for a long time. Like this, yes, this is so interesting that you say that because one of my notes is like, why do they not show people's mouths when they're speaking? Like it's an intentional part of the film, I think, that they don't show people speaking for a lot of it. I'm mm. not sure why. Maybe, maybe to say they're smothered, maybe to link them all. But like, it, it, there's in particular, there's a bit at the beginning where like we've got the camera on the woman's face who's speaking and someone's opened their newspaper <laughs> and so it's covering her mouth while she's speaking. It's such an intentional thing. And they did the same with Hugh. Like, they don't show people's faces as much as they can. Mm. And But I think the thing is with Hugh, and this comes on to a second part, I think the reason they've done it with Hugh is because they don't show the soldier's face that she falls in love with. They just yes. show his eyes. Yeah. And I think... With Hugh Grant, I think... I was trying to work out why the fuck he's in this film. Because essentially, Hugh Grant is in for a bit to be a posh young kid. But then, just before the end, there's a scene with him and some girl that he's like, oh, I'm going back to war, and then I'm going to come back and marry you. And I wonder whether it's meant to be like, Hugh Grant is going to be the next version of the original soldier who right. haunts this person. So I imagine... That's why they're interlinked. That is the motif, um, right? Okay. Yeah, I think that's it. That would make sense, wouldn't it? That would make sense. Yeah, it's, it's slightly hard to follow, but I, I do agree with you. I mean, exactly. There, like, from my memory, there is only really one time that we see Hugh's whole profile in shot. The mo the rest, like, is the one time when he's kind of on that ledge on the phone. Mm, Other than that, mm. it's all these kind of like, like you say, shots of him in hammocks or like like him far off in the distance playing cricket with yeah, him talking yeah, yeah, exactly. and you don't really like see him so it was as a Hugh Grant fan who loves to see Hugh's profile yeah. in full shot like that was a bit disappointing wasn't it yeah definitely absolutely and particularly as it kind of reminded me of back in the day do you remember when we used to have the Hugh Grant drinking game mm. and the Hugh Grant which I've reviewed the rules of and we talked about this for a while but you know it's things like whenever he ums or he ahs or you know whenever he kisses the girl I thought this would be another great fit, great version of that because in the original draft and I think for the experts amongst us who want to play the Hugh Grant drinking game you want Hugh Grant in some sort of stately home setting mm. also is a drink and I thought this one would be great for that he ums and he ahs he's in a stately home setting he kisses loads of girls I'm thinking you're going to be drinking the whole time and so I wanted more of Hugh Grant on screen to get my drink in because I'm not <laughs> you know don't get me wrong I'd be drunk off this film but I want to be plastered yeah and yeah. It, the potential is there yes I agree I mean and and to be honest you might need a couple of drinks to get through this one although <laughs> yeah it was pretty short and look, yeah, that look is true. all I'd say is that any kind of horror film for me is better than like a period drama. At least there's a little bit of tension. Like I felt from like the, from basically like halfway through part two, there's like two parts. The second part, at least I was like intrigued to find out what was going to happen. Mm. If that makes yeah, sense. I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Although I was annoyed because I was like, so I've sat through all of this and exactly what I thought was going to happen has happened. 
Mm. The ghost has turned up at the end and gone, you're dead now. Like that, that's rubbish. <laughs> Taking you for granted. Taking you for granted. Taking you for granted. What did you think, lads? Were they taking you for granted? Oscar Beardmore Grey. Shades of Darkness, The Demon Lover, 1986, starring our very own Hugh Grant. Are we taking Hugh for granted? Diggs, I love the name. The name had a lot of promise and yeah. it really stood out in our in our recording schedule. I was like, that is one I'm looking forward to. But I'm afraid yes. that this did not live up to the billing. No. There wasn't enough Hugh. No. The film was, wasn't great. There wasn't there weren't really any big names. There was actually, interestingly enough, there was a brief glimpse of Miranda Richardson, who is obviously a, a bit of a star in her own right, plays another Harry Potter star, plays Rita Skeeter. And isn't Cornelius Fudge in this as well? Is he? I think the husband is Cornelius Fudge. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. The guy who plays Cornelius Fudge in Harry Potter, I'm pretty sure. I love that. I didn't I notice that. That's quite that's, jokes, yeah, yeah. That's class. Um, mm. But yeah, Diggs, I'm, I'm sure you, I think I know that you're going to agree with me here, but we're, we're taking Hugh for granted in this one. Nail is on the head here. I mean, Hugh Grant isn't in it enough. He's looking good, to be fair, in this film. Mm. When he does speak, you're sort of like, eh, you know, <laughs> fine, whatever. I mean, I like to watch him chirps girls and get with them. That's all great. But the film overall really just has no, like... There's just nothing tying me to it. There's nothing making me go, I can't wait to see what happens. Or I don't understand anyone's motivations. Right? It's just so boring. It's just It just feels There's like no an meaning. artsy fartsy. There's no meaning. As I say, it's just a woman floating from scene to scene. And in those scenes, we're just sort of there. It's just washing over us. And I'm just like, nothing's going on. And it's all a bit... Un, not, it's not even unnerving. I wouldn't even say it was unnerving. It's just a bit like, I'm just bored. Um, <laughs> so this film really is right down there with some of the worst we've watched <laughs> but it, just because it's it, it's not offensive it's just really boring um <laughs> and uh, yeah so i would say this film has absolutely been taking you for granted and they really missed a trick and should have made him a much bigger character mm. and should have maybe made a better film yeah before that one as well like the, the the one saving grace is that it's on youtube again heroes yeah. heroes you put it on youtube mm. and also the youtube video is says it's an hour and 38 minutes but actually they've just put the same film back to back so it's half that length yeah. so you know i was there thinking oh i, I you know i've been busy this week so i was like i'm gonna have to get up early to watch this body body but mm-hmm. i got up early yeah and, and it was done <laughs> 20 minutes i should really i could have been in bed for an extra 20 minutes but you know i, I was happy i was happy at ending sooner because it was just shit <laughs> um <laughs> And I was just happy. I was when I was looking. I was like, "Oh my god, I've got another fifty minutes of this to go." And twenty minutes later, we were done. Like, where um, where do you think this does rank then, Diggs? Like, in terms of like, well, what? Because it sounds like you're putting it right right down the bottom, pretty much. It would be interesting to see where it ends up in our in our chart, in our epic retrospective. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you know we've been thinking about doing a top fifty. You know, what are the fifty best Hugh Grant films slash TV shows? And the problem is, I don't know if we put this one on the list at all. Yeah, it might not it make it. 50. It might not make it. If let's say in a in a world that it was to make it on the list, I would say it'd probably be in the bottom five or six. Ooh. It might do you know what I mean? I think it's definitely bottom f- It's definitely five or six, yeah. It's definitely bottom ten for me. I'm not sure it's bottom five. Well, let's try and name the f- the five worst right here quickly, because otherwise this episode is so open and shut and quick. Yeah. Um so 
Night Train to Venice surely is down there. It is. Bengali Night. Yeah. American Dreams. American Dreams. Honor, profit, pleasure, mate. (laughs) Yeah, that is so fair. Honor, profit, and pleasure. Fucking hell, that sucks. (laughs) Mainly because you couldn't hear anything. Yeah, yeah. But even if we could, I still think we'd... Maybe actually, if we if we could hear it, we might have thought it was better. But uh, you think... know what? I'm I would also argue, like I know you didn't mind it as much as I did, but I honestly think that small time crooks is really bad. So, do you reckon small time crooks is worse than this? Maybe. Maybe really? It's probably that is so actually, interesting. You know what? It, it probably isn't because at least there's like an element of comedy there. Is yeah, it, exactly. I yeah. thought it was really bad, small time crooks, but like that is fair. At least there's some, there is a bit of meaning in that film. Yeah, I mean, exactly. But still, what we're basically saying with this one is, it's bottom five, probably, <laughs> almost yeah. certainly. Yeah, and and there are some fucking shocking films down there, so it's in very good company. <laughs> um, but that's something to whet your appetite for upcoming. In which I imagine that first episode. <laughs> of our epic retrospective will probably be our like our second best of that whole series mm, because yeah. it will be like everyone will be like well what are the worst ones <laughs> I want to know what the worst ones are and it'll be us just going wasn't the Bengali night fucking shite <laughs> and then the Bengali shite oh that's another one an awfully shite adventure that oh, is shite that is really bad that-, that is shite the problem though is that gives us some great Hugh Grant moments such as Hugh Grant getting punched in the face and Alan Rickman and t- Rick Talk. Rick Talk is up there. Rick Talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the uh, the side of TikTok that is all about people simping for Alan Rickman. <laughs> Rick Talk. I mean, it's really quite horrible out there. <laughs> but I've subscribed to the hashtag. I certainly have. Yeah, that would be a fun one. Then obviously people want to know the top ones. So maybe we just like, <laughs> yeah, we'll just skip through the middle ones. Mm. Um, but the proper Hugh Grant fans out there will be very interested in those middle ones as well. Because do you know what? Just again, I know we've talked about this for a long time. Do you know what I'm terrified about? What this film's a horror film today, and this is something that terrifies me to my core, is the fact that somehow sense and sensibility will not be in the top ten. Because of you, <laughs> it will be pushed right down. And I'm so that terrifies you, me. You've had, you, you've had a sneaky peek at, at my list, haven't you? I, we've haven't, been, I haven't, you I haven't, I actually haven't. No, I haven't looked at you because I really don't want to ruin it for myself. I just know you and I know that you don't like it. And that really upsets me. I'm looking at it right now and <laughs> where I've ranked it. I'm not sure you're going to be happy. You're not going to be I'm happy. I'm not going to be happy. Yeah. I bet it's right down there, isn't it? You <laughs> bastard. You bastard. We need to rewatch it together. I think, I I think, think it, we do. Yeah. Like if we, if we, the next like time we just like sit down and have like a fun Hugh Grant evening, like maybe we should yeah. stick that on and you, you can, it'll be like a kind of like Punch and Judy Houses of Parliament argument. We have to stand up with our, maybe we yeah. should do that for like the, an maybe episode. we should do that for an episode. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. I'd love that. Well, we could do that thing that we did with uh, Jessica Wade and Notting Hill because mm. isn't it your who someone almost crashed their car because my uh, my godmother yeah I don't know and whether she'd be sense game. and sensibility it was about she might not be, yeah she she could give us some uh, she might not be again to come on she, she could give us some points as to I can throw at you yes that's true and uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty it, of fodder what I wondered as well you know the, I was reminded today of the Hugh Grant drinking game and I thought well what we could just do sense and sensibility mm. Hugh Grant drinking game you know what I'd really way. love to get actually is to get. I'm sure there is a, a Jane a Jane Austen historian. Who oh my god! Yeah, I would actually be terrified about that though because yeah. I would have to quickly go and read Jane Eyre, 
Pride and Prejudice, and I, you know, I'd be I'd be there for about a year trying to like catch up on <laughs> on Jane Austen. Exactly, exactly. It would be like the um, the woman played by Alison Janey in the rewrite who is mm-hmm. a big Jane Austen fan who right, yes. Hugh Grant upsets when he goes on the rewrite my god we, listen what the fuck am I talking about <laughs> oh, we have watched so many Hugh Grant films <laughs> we just watched so many Hugh Grant films why do I know that <laughs> why do I know like you, what, you can say something is just like mundane as Jane Austen and I'm like oh yeah there's a Hugh Grant character he's all based like in a Hugh Grant film based all around that like what is going on the level of knowledge now is um, is unbelievable like do they That's still do, do they still do the show Mastermind they like, do they do the, the company I work for at the moment make it do they they Mate, do you yeah. should go on. like if people out there don't know what Mastermind is basically it's a show where you go on and you answer questions about a specific subject and like a very niche subject and yeah. like Hugh Grant could be the su- your chosen subject and you literally just oh. answer questions about that and yeah. to be honest like i feel like we do pretty well on that chosen subject we do really well oh my god i wonder whether there's someone i can speak to at work i mean not not to we couldn't do it but imagine if we did it the only problem is that you have to answer a general knowledge a general knowledge too and like i don't yeah. know yeah but you know who cares? I yeah. think the thing is, I think the general public would like to see two boys go on on nat- national television and ask questions about Hugh Grant because they'd be like, "We would finish." They'd be like, "How have they got fourteen in a minute?" <laughs> I've answered. <laughs> so I finished. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I started, Class. I there you go. Well, we've started, and thus we must finish mm. uh, our episode of taking you for granted now. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, especially to the ones like this because you know. Notting Hill, you're like, yeah, sure, I'll listen to that one. This one? The hell? <laughs> Even what the we'll hell admit is this? Yeah, this one was... We managed to squeeze out half an hour out of this bad boy, so we're pretty happy with that. Exactly, although most of us have been talking about plans for future episodes, which you can be kept abreast of if you make sure you're subscribing and you're following to us wherever you listen to this now. And also, make sure you follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. We're at Taking You For Granted on facebook and instagram we're at taking you on twitter make sure you're following those we kept up to date with all the stuff including the epic retrospective when we go back and we review every single hugh grant film ever made Mm. and then a few tv shows and stuff in amongst that as well that's all very exciting oscar i can't wait can you wait i can't wait mate it's going to be great and the, the name the epic retrospective is epic yeah, I think that's what we're going to have to call it, aren't we? Is Maybe there's a Hugh Grant pun in there. Mm. Well, we'll, we'll have a little think on. about that. Exactly. Let us know on Instagram, perhaps. Tell us or, or DM us on Twitter. Just tell us what you think we should call the Hugh Grant epic retrospective. I'm sure there's something like that on that, out there. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. Taking Hugh for Granted is produced, edited and presented by Diggory Waite and Oscar Beardmore-Gray. The producers of Taking Hugh for Granted would like to state that this podcast is in no way associated with the actor Hugh John Mungo Grant, nor does it endorse his views or represent him in any way. Instead, by creating this podcast, Oscar and Diggory hope to celebrate Hugh's illustrious career, reliving his old classics and shedding light on some of his hidden gems. Hugh. If you're listening, we hope you approve.